This is going to be an interesting sermon, church, because uh, I'm going to be preaching every week as, as I share with you, I share to myself. But I've been wrestling with this particular uh, word a lot. So I'm going to start uh, with a confession. Almost three weeks ago, I was uh, working in my sermon for that particular week, and I did what I often do when my brain just gets loaded. Uh, I take like a social media break that I call. Uh, I start, stop typing and I just, you know, pick my phone and, and start going through, you know, just Facebook or Instagram or Twitter just to see what's going on out there. And, and it was the first time in that particular day that I read about fires coming out in Australia. Uh, so I did perhaps what you did the first time that you heard about the fires. I put my phone down. Uh, and I generally pray. I pray for God for the fires to be seized, for the firefighters who were fighting that, for the family that have been displaced, for animals or people that perhaps have been losing their lives because of the fire. Uh, I generally pray to God to take care of that situation. Um, I finished a prayer, and then I kept looking at my phone. Uh, and I'm just, I just generally just move on. Uh, around a week later, I was in my computer, uh, and then uh, the news popped about what was happening in Iran. Uh, that, I mean, I'm not really sure if you know, we're in the midst of World War III or whatever it is that is happening, but at the end of the day, there has been attacks you know, much, from mutual parts. Uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of troops have been uh, deployed to the Middle East. So I did perhaps the same thing that you did when you find out about that. Uh, I took a moment to pray. And I pray for the families of those who are serving. I pray for the lives of those who have been taken already. I pray for the innocent that will be, you know, in the middle of this mess. And I just start praying for, you know, peace and justice and for God's hand to be in the middle of that situation. And I pray and I generally pray to God. And I finish my prayer and I just move on. Uh, this week, I was working in this particular sermon, the same thing, I had a social media break, uh, turned on the news, and I started reading about the earthquake in Puerto Rico. Once again, I perhaps did the same thing that you have done when you read those news, uh, put my phone down, I generally pray for God, uh, grace to be upon the family that are being displaced, for those who have lost a loved ones, for those who are in despair, and, and I generally pray with all my heart for God's hand to be in that situation. And, and I finish my prayer, and I just move on. Uh, and the confession comes, and the embarrassing part comes, that somehow I have found a way to see brokenness around the world, to generally care for three or five minutes and pray about it, and just move on, and just I can perhaps almost even say, just forget about it. Just go back to my life. Go back to writing a sermon, go back to you know, playing Sudoku or playing whatever it is that I was doing that particular day. And, and I shared this with you because I'm gonna go in a leap of faith and suggest that I'm not the only one that does things like that. You don't have to raise your hand, but I want to believe there's at least somebody else in this room that does the same thing that I do. You see brokenness, you generally care for three to five minutes, and then you just forget about it. 
and just, you just move on with the rest of your life. And, and for the past week, I've been wrestling with this conviction, saying like, God, I mean, there's no way that I, that I should be behaving this way, that I should be having this pattern where I see something, where, you know, calling a shooting, calling whatever it is, and it hurts me, and I pray, and then I just forget about it. And, and, and I've, been, I've been literally asking God, like, is there something wrong with me? I mean, what, what is it that I'm missing? What, what is going on in my life, in my spiritual life, that is creating this pattern in my life? And, and it is very timely that this particular week, we're going to be talking about the word grace. Because I precisely believe that it is the understanding or the lack of understanding of that word that is creating this pattern, at least in my life. So I'm preaching to myself. Hope you can get something out of it, but at least if not, I'm getting something out of it. You see, so, so I wrestled with the word grace, and I went to the Webster Dictionary, because that's what people that speak English do. <laughs> uh, and I said, okay, what does this word mean? And according to the Webster Dictionary, grace, it is the unmerited divine assistance given to humans. Now, that, that kind of makes sense. I went to, you know, the Christian dictionary and look at the word in Greek and the word in Hebrew. And this is the, the definition that I got. Grace, it is God freely extended to give himself away to people. The way I translate that into play English, for me, grace is getting something that I don't deserve. Simple as that getting something that I don't deserve. Which, so often we, we mix grace and mercy, but they're two complete opposite words. Mercy is actually don't getting what you deserve. That is mercy. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And perhaps the greatest example in scripture is salvation. That's why Paul speaks about that. Grace, salvation comes to grace because there's nothing that you and I can do to earn it. It comes through faith, by believing in it. But there's nothing you and I can do to earn it. So with that understanding of what, what grace is, getting something that you don't deserve, uh, I want to address this issue that I'm having about my lack of, of really caring for what God cares. And, and this is what I'm going. If I can fully grasp what God has done for me, there is no way that I can go to life just praying about things without doing anything. Yeah. See, if I can fully understand that there is nothing in me that can earn God's love, that he sent Jesus Christ to die for me, that my life without God would be a mess. If I can fully understand that, then simply I will be given by grace what by grace I have received. I will be going through life, going the extra mile as I see brokenness next and uh, right and, and left in my life. You see, last week we, we talked about one word last week. Any, anybody remember? Love. Love. Does anybody oh, right there? 
<laughs> Does anybody remember what was the, the passage that we talked about last week? Y'all, it was seven days ago. <laughs> Somewhere in the Bible, somebody will say something that Jesus said. You know, I'm going to pick up right where we left. And, and I, I look at the Matthew, but today it's in the book of Luke. And this is the conversation that we had yesterday. We had last week. Nah. I can, tell, I can ask you, hey, what is Michael Scott saying in episode 7 of season 3 of The Office? And you'll, you'll quote him, yeah, but you have no idea what I said last week. It's okay. It's okay. There you are. <laughs> His last week conversation, there you are, thank you, was all about somebody having a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus saying, you need to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. There you are and love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm gonna pick up just right there from there. Luke 10, verse 25. This is where the story starts. A legal expert stood up to Jesus. He said, teacher, what must, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus, what do, I need to, what, what do I need to do to get by? Just put it like that, Jesus. What do I need to do to get by? Jesus replied, what it is written in the law. How do you interpret it? And he responded, you must love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And you must love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And then this guy did what perhaps some of us did when we were in school. And we we're like maybe passing or flunking you know, chemistry or biology. Like, okay, teacher, like, what do I need just to pass? How do I can accomplish passing with the minimum effort? The legal expert wanted to prove that he was right. So he said to Jesus, okay, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up and led him near death. And then I, I can almost picture now Jesus looking directly to this person and saying, now it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road. When he saw the injure, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Now, this one hit close to home because I... I may consider myself like a 2000 version of a priest as a pastor. And I will challenge that each one of you are calling to priesthood. So this should be hitting close to home to everybody. But the Bible says, so this, this pastor, this Christian is walking and they see somebody in distress. And there is perhaps at least one person in the room that have been in a situation like that. And what do you do? You get your cell phone out. And you look at your phone, and you just walk by. I, mean, I don't even know if it's, if it's because it's a rule in Georgia or the law, but I have literally have been driving in Ronald Reagan, and I see a car stop, and what do I do? I do not stop. I get into the left line, and I drive faster. And I see the cars in front of me doing it, and I see the cars behind me doing it. And once again, there may be a law about safety or something like that, but that's not the premise. The premise is that we don't care. The premise is that we see brokenness and we genuinely don't care. 
We pretend we don't understand. We pretend we don't care. We pretend we are too busy. And sometimes we are too busy. But we literally just did the same thing that Jesus is talking about. Then he goes and says, Likewise, a Levite came by the spot. He saw the injured man. He crossed over to the other side. And he went on his own way. Now, a Levite, it is the person that was helping in Bible time to lead worship. It's almost like the worship team that we just ex were exposed. Uh, and I will even push that a Levite is anybody who serves in the church. I mean, call it in the worship team, calling the ushers, calling the sound and the tech guys, calling those who are volunteering with the little ones. Pretty much anybody that is in, in this room can qualify as a Levite. And what the Bible says is that these individuals, we all, when we see brokenness in this story, what happened? We got into the other side and walk away. Now, 2,000 years version of that is when you're reading the news, what do you do? You change the channel. I have, I have had conversations with people that say, you know what, I don't like to turn on the news because there's so much mess out there and I don't want to hear about it. And I'm thinking, because I have had those thoughts. Goodness, what a, what a position of, of privilege it is to hear that somebody in Puerto Rico, it is living without a house and we can say, you know what, I don't want to hear about that. I would rather watch This Is Us or Jack Ryan or whatever it is that you're into it. That's what we do. That is a 2,000 year version of this story. You see, the Bible calls us to be agents of grace. To, to give to others what we have received. And I've been wrestling with, with this. It's like, okay, what, what gets on the way of that? What gets on my way of doing that? Because I'm telling you, I have been in Ronald Reagan. And, and, and if you know me, I mean, you don't want to put my hands in your car. I get it. I'm probably the least qualified to try to change a tire or do anything about it. Okay. But at least I, I mean, at least I have a phone with me. I mean, I can stop and ask a single parent or an older gentleman or a teenager that are freaking out, hey, can I just wait in here until AAA or 911 comes or somebody like that? I can pick up somebody in my car and give them a ride. I can do something if it's not fixing a car if it's not changing a tire, if it is not solving their problem, I can at least do what I call ministry of presence, being with them in the moment. But so many times I don't, I don't do it. And I've been wrestling, what gets on the way of grace? What gets on the way of me you know, being an agent of grace? And, and for me, this is, these are the things that I think sometimes gets on my life. And I don't know if that may apply to you or not, but at least I'm sharing what it gets in mind. And I'm not justifying these answers. I'm just start owning them so I can do something about it. Here's the first one. I am exposed to a lot of information that is overwhelming. I mean, I can pick, I can pick up my phone right now and look at you know, my Facebook feed and I, can, and I can read about the earthquake in Puerto Rico. I can see about you know, the war that is taking place in Iran and what's happening. I can read about a, a dog falling in a hitch somewhere in Indiana. I can read about a 12-year-old girl starting a GoFundMe page because she has cancer. 
I can read about uh, somebody that was eating breakfast and saw the face of Jesus in French toast. I mean, whatever it could be, that is the reality. And, and, and it is so overwhelming to see all the brokenness. So, so what happened when, when I just get overwhelmed with all the stuff? Then I start thinking to myself, well, I just feel helpless the, to the fact that I can make a change. But I'm not justifying my answers. I'm just owning them. I'm not saying that that is the right way of thinking. I'm just being completely transparent in sometimes how I think. I say, you know what? I mean, I, uh, I just can't make any difference. I mean, I'm literally going from month to month to pay my bills. I'm trying to keep my kids healthy, and I have four kids. I'm trying to, you know, to potty train my, my youngest one. And I'm trying to just, you know, go through life. And you may be in school and say, I'm just trying to pass my class. I'm just trying to keep my job. I'm just trying to, you know, to keep my, my marriage healthy. And, and we can go on and on and on with thoughts about how we feel so helpless and how we are so overwhelmed. And at the end of the day, this is a reality. We are blessed and cursed with comfort. That is the truth. You literally can push a button in your phone right now, and by the time I'm done with the sermon, you have a pizza delivered to, to the door. You don't have to worry about the preacher being done with his sermon quickly so you can find, you know, so you can beat the Baptist or whoever it is into a restaurant and you have a table, you can have the food delivered to you as you push a button. Four days ago, I had a conversation with Alexa. I said, Alexa, I need socks. <laughs> and Alexa responded to me, do you want cotton or do you want polyester? And I have a two-minute you know, minute conversation with her, 48 hours, there were socks in my door. That's how comfort works. If, if you are like me, you like to watch perhaps Netflix, and if the internet is buffering, you know, that, that number is stuck for 45 seconds, and in that 45% for more than 10 seconds, you start shaking. <laughs> like, what's wrong with this? You throw the controller to the floor, and you, you want to call somebody because you want your TV right there, right now. That's comfort. And here's the challenge with comfort, church. It translates to our spiritual life. Because then we start moving into, that's how God should operate. God, I want, I want you to respond to my needs right now. I want you to take my headaches away, like, right now. I, I want you to somehow make my bank account go higher. I want you to make me skinny without having to eat carrots and celery. And I want you to respond to my prayers right now. And all of a sudden, our comfort starts guiding our lives. It's, it's like a drug. That is the reality. We, we start tasting comfort, and that's how we want to operate in life. If there's anything that, you, that I want you to take with you today, let it be this. Let God's grace move you to righteous discomfort. Let your understanding of grace, which is getting something that you don't deserve, move you to righteous discomfort. What I mean by that is that let your heart be broken enough for something that it moves you to do something about it. That when you see something, you say, somebody needs to do something about it. And might as well have to be me. 
I may not be the smartest, I may not be the richest, I may not be the most athletic, I may not be the fill in the blank. Somebody needs to do something and might as well has to be me. You see, in the story of today, then Jesus continues to say, A Samaritan who was on a journey come to where the man was. But when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending him with oil and wine. Then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took two full days of worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional costs. You see, this story will not be in the Bible if it has just been about good intentions of the Samaritan. This is not the story of the guy with good intentions. This is not a story about a, a guy with good prayers. There's nowhere in the Bible when somebody asks Jesus, Jesus, can you, can you teach us to pray that Jesus say, okay, let me tell you what happens one. There's a Samaritan guy that was walking down the road and he saw somebody in it and he prayed an amazing prayer. You should memorize it. The story is in the Bible because this person was moved out of his comfort. Two days worth of wages. I have no idea how much you make. You could make, you could make $7.50 an hour or you could make $150 an hour. Two days of whatever you make, do the math. This person give for a stranger. The same people that beat up that, that person had the same ability to beat up the Samaritan as he was stopping by. There was risk involved. There was personal resources. There was personal time. There was discomfort in trying to do something about it. Yes. Goodness, he was a stranger. We have no idea if the person say, hey, thank you or not. The Samaritan was moved into action. It did not stop with prayers. So maybe thinking, okay, pastor, I get it. So, so how do we become agents of grace? At the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to move you. That if you are like me, that sometimes you can see brokenness and three minutes later you can forget about it. You can move on with your life. How do we, how do we move to righteous discomfort, to be agents of grace. I'll tell you the two things that I do, that I'm trying to do, because I'm wrestling with this. And the first one is, I, I, I need to start focusing in something. What I mean by that, I'm sure that if I ask you, what breaks your heart, somebody's gonna hear, gonna say, my, my heart breaks for unborn children. And somebody's gonna say, my heart breaks for foster kids. Somebody's going to say, my heart breaks for, for kids that have been uh, in human trafficking. Somebody say, my heart breaks for those who are around the world that have no drinking water. My heart breaks for you know, racial injustice. My heart breaks for poverty. And go, and go on and on and on with things that break your heart. There's a lot of things that will cut your attention. Focus on those things that cut your heart. What is the one thing that cuts your heart and say, I, I strongly believe that God is crying about this situation. And I have to do something about it. I don't know what that may be. And, and let me just give you a, a side note. You don't have 
to go and create something. That is the beauty of believing that God is already moving. That is the beauty of, of kingdom partnership. I mean, that is the premise of Mission Sundays. I mean, as you start noticing, we're not trying to go on and save the, every aspect. We're trying to partner with those who are doing things. That is the whole premise of the network campus. We don't have to create everything that is happening there. We're, we're partnering with those who have the same ache in their heart. If there is something that is breaking your heart, I can guarantee you that there's somebody else somewhere in, in your life that is being upset about the same thing. And there's a bigger chance that you two can do something together. Focus in something and then embrace what it hurts. Because I'll tell you this, it is a lot easier, it is a lot comfortable, it is a lot simpler to simply not care about it. To come up with all kinds of excuses to say, I, I don't have time. I'm not going to do it. If you have ever been close to, to somebody that has passed away, regardless, you know, the season in their lives. And uh, as a pastor, I, I, I get uh, often to have that privilege to be with people in hospice care. And, and one of the common denominators or, or common statements that I hear, and sometimes people have a hard time articulating them, but it will be people will rather live a life with a purpose in their lives than without one. When it comes down to, to you and I live in this world, it will be, I can guarantee you that it will be a lot better for you when you have lived a life with a divine burden than without one. I mean, that's why they came to the point when Moses, you know, saw his brother being beat up by the Egyptian. They said, goodness, somebody has to do something about it. And he went and killed the guy. I'm not saying that you have to do that. <laughs> but he did something. He said, I had enough. You know, when Esther was having this conversation with God, it, was going to be, it would have been way easier for her to say, you know what, I'm going to be quiet. It will be safer for me. It's going to be perhaps not that good for other people, but I'm going to go with safer for me. She said, I can't do it. I have to risk it. When David is walking into the, into the battlefield and he saw the giant just you know, attacking God and attacking God's people, it could have been easier for him just to walk away, for him to pick up his phone and go back to his dad. He said, like, goodness, somebody has to do something about it. And he looked to a bunch of guys that they were bigger than him, that they were smarter than him, that they were perhaps with more training than him, that they had better tools than him. He said, y'all, you better do something about it. And everybody's like, we're not doing it. So, well, heck, I'm going to do it. When Nehemiah saw the brokenness of the city, he said, somebody needs to build this wall. There's women and children. There's, there's a promised land in here. Somebody needs to do something about it. Sorry. He wasn't an architect. He wasn't an engineering. Goodness, he probably, we don't know if he was able to put, you know, two, two by fours together. Okay, somebody needs to do something about it, and he did it. The, Bible, the, the shortest Bible verse in the Bible is when Jesus is walking to Jerusalem one last time before the Passover. The Bible says that he started looking at the city, and he said, they're, they're like sheep without shepherd. Yes. And then the Bible said, and Jesus wept. Yes. And Jesus cried. And Jesus cut enough. Somebody has to do something about it.
and it's going to suck, and it's going to stink, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to end up in the cross. But somebody needs to do something about it. When was the last time that you wept for something? That you wept for somebody? That you say, God, I don't know exactly how to do it. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have fill in the blank. But goodness, use me, God. That is my prayer for you in 2020. That you'll see brokenness around you. And, and if you haven't seen brokenness, just put your phone away for a couple of minutes. Just, just walk in the streets. Just turn on the news. Yeah, it's going to suck. But you know what? It sucks more being part of the news than reading the news. As discomfortable for it is to you to read that somebody is living without a house, it's worse being that person without a house. You know, as a church, we exist. We genuinely exist to put gasoline on your fire. We don't exist in here to convince you of what you have to care about. Our goal is for you to take a moment to care about something and to help you be empowered by God, by the Holy Spirit to address it. That is our prayer for 2020. For you, for us together to become agents of grace. And in order to do that, we have to start caring about the brokenness that we are around. And I know it's hard, and I know it's discomfortable, and I know it's a lot easier not to do it. But God put us in this world, people. God breathed life into you. Don't waste that breath. Don't waste the Holy Spirit being in your bones. Don't, don't waste the knowledge as little or as much as you have about who God is to not do anything about it. And I promise you, that if you say, God, here I am. God, help me do something about it. Based on what I have read in this book over and over and over about it, God never wastes a pain heart. God never wastes a hurting heart. God never says, no, I'm busy. You ask God to use you, God will use you. You ask God to move you, God will move you. If you ask God to help you go through life being a blessing to others, you know what's going to happen, church? That exactly is going to happen. Let us pray. God, we, so many times we use the word grace. We even describe the word grace as an amazing thing. And we like to sing amazing grace. Could help us to understand that, that grace was not created to be contained. Could help us to understand that if, if we think that, that following you, that Christianity, it's about our comfort, God teaches to, to, to understand that we're doing it wrong at the end of the day. God, move us into righteous discomfort. God, move our hearts that they can beat for somebody else. God, open our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our souls to the brokenness around us. God, let us embrace that pain and that hurt 
God, help us to do something about it. That is our prayer this morning. God, we start in 2020. Don't let it be another year that just go by, God, when we don't move the needle in this world. God, let it be a year where we declare that we're going to do what we can to bless others, to reach out to others, to be agents of grace. That is our prayer in this morning. That is our prayer for this year. That is our prayer for this decade. That is our prayer for the rest of our lives, as long as we may have. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.